tipped in the air and knocked away. KU's got to win it. Blah, big time two-hand slam by Hunter Dickinson. Kansas is the 2023 WNIT champions. This is the Jayhawker Podcast, presented by the University of Kansas Health System. Aloha. Greetings from Honolulu, Hawaii. Welcome to the Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and Black and & Veatch. I am Greg Gurley, along with Wayne Simeon, remotely from the Wagman Student Support Center. They're in his office in KU Leeds, probably a little jealous from where I'm at. We just tried to show the setting of where I'm at. The Wi-Fi wasn't great outside, so people can't be jealous of my setting, which is Waikiki Beach right out that window. But uh, we're going to power through it here inside the hotel room, talk a little KU football, talk a KU basketball, all things Kansas athletics. It was a crazy weekend. Uh, last weekend, I was unable to be there as I'm slumming it here on Waikiki Beach. I wish I could have been there, but I want to go to my partner in crime who was there, soaked it all in, wasn't the outcome that we wanted. Obviously, did everything we could have possibly done to win that game and break the streak, but just couldn't make the big plays when we needed it. So, Wayne, tell me about what I missed, the atmosphere, the ain't-no-seats mentality. I didn't see the pockets of scattered empty seats. The booth was packed, and it was fun to watch as we were at Giovanni Pastrami's uh, famous KU watch party bar, I guess, but we were there in force and up and down, ebbs and flows of that game. But, Wayne, Tell me about Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, it was such an incredible environment, Greg, that I can't even be jealous of your environment with the blue water and the sandy beach and the mountains and the sunshine uh, that you're enjoying there in in Honolulu and Waikiki Beach because the booth was phenomenal. As good as I've ever seen in 30 years, you know, all the way back coming to, to games as a young boy when I was 10 years old. And uh, the fans showed up, the students showed up, uh, the game did not disappoint other uh, than uh, the three-point loss, um, you know, a, a bitter rivalry, which, you know, mind you, we still lead the series 65-61 uh, on the football side of things. Uh, but it was really incredible, uh, an awesome environment for the seniors to be able to play their last game in uh, David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium as we celebrated guys like Quentin Lasseter and, and um, you know, Kenny Logan and, and, and Jason Bean. And, you know, even though he did not start and there was a lot of talk and chirping and anticipation about, hey, would he potentially get the nod? Cole Ballard had a solid performance. Devin Neal was unreal as he uh, had a huge, huge night logging his, um, you know, uh, yet another thousand uh, yard season uh, back to back. And as he's climbing the charts uh, about the scene himself was one of the all time greats. Uh, from the backfield there, but just a few too many mistakes. You know, you could probably count on one hand uh, the number of plays that just did not go our way that eventually led to our demise, whether it was a muff punt or a drop pick or, you know, um, uh, interception, just an untimely interception, just small things like that. And uh, it, 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 we have to tip the hat to, to K-State. There's one thing that they're historically uh, good at, and it's not hurting themselves. Uh, and when you don't hurt yourselves, when you don't have self-inflicted wounds, it usually allows you to come out on top in close games like that, which is what they did 
as we uh, we, we we succumb to, to some of those self-inflicted wounds, uh, losing that game 27 to 31. But a phenomenal environment. And, um, you know, it really lends itself to showing us, hey, that is actually the next step, step, the next growth stage that this football program has to take is being able to close out uh, those close ones. You know, you think about what happened at Tech, you think about this weekend, uh, but thankfully that wasn't the end of the season and there's gonna be plenty more opportunity to be able to do that as we get ready to head uh, to Cincinnati to face the Bearcats. And then of course, uh, finding out our bowl destination, uh, which is really exciting. It's hard to be able to imagine that, right? Back-to-back bowl, um, you know, uh, entries, uh, in a short amount of uh, time in Coach Lance Leipold's tenure, uh, which is pretty incredible. But hopefully they can get some momentum. They have a little chip on their shoulder, get back on their feet, road game uh, against the Bearcats, and uh, build some incredible momentum going into into bowl season. And like we've learned this year, we can't take anything for granted. Yes, we're, are we better in Cincinnati? Yeah. But we're playing at their place. They're hungry. They haven't had the kind of season that they wanted. Last year they lost their coach, and they're in – semi-rebuild mode, but they still got guys, and we're still on the road. We finally broke that barrier, getting that victory at Iowa State just a few weeks ago, and we need to do it again because we built so much momentum and had opportunities, like you said, against Tech and K-State. We're just right there. That's how close we are to a 10-win season, but we're at seven. We need to get to eight. We need to keep taking that progression to better bowls. Liberty Bowl was great. Unbelievable fan support. One of the best bowl games last year. And we need to build on that again. I don't know where that's going to be, but eight wins. Yeah, this is really impressive, Greg. Eight wins is more than six. Yeah, no, no. you're going yeah, to no. get a better bowl game. You're right on that That eight win. And man, even think about the, the four teams that just came into the league this year. And I'm sure they had some pretty big expectations of them walking right in and doing well, getting bowl eligible. But here we see at the bottom of the conference, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, all right, BYU trying to make a little bit noise, but I think they've only got two conference wins. And so, like, it really, you know, lends itself to 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 a, another credit of approval towards the job uh, that these young men are doing on the football field as you have, you know, uh, programs that are coming into the Big 12 the first time that have had historical success come in and struggle uh, and we're able to kind of take that next step. And, look, I don't, I, don't, I don't care where our bowl game is. I just need a warm destination bowl, especially since I'm missing out on that warm weather that you're enjoying right now. Yeah, we've really missed you on the beach surfing and doing all kinds of water sports. You'd probably be, you'd probably be the guy that wants to go deep sea fishing, though, very outdoorsy. I'm more of a, of a Bloody Mary guy graduating with some fruity drinks and sit by the pool and show off this, uh, this dad bod that I've uh, been able to create over years and years of undisciplined eating and not working out. So <laughs> you're, you're really, you're really missing out. But a uh, couple things before we move on to basketball, talk about uh, the opportunity this weekend. It sounds like Jason Bean is taking the reps in practice, which is what he didn't really do last week. And I think everyone's asking like, Lance said he was able to play, but he didn't. Cole Power did an amazing job. So I want you to comment on Jason Bean's availability and what that means to this team. And then talk about Cole Ballard. Walk-on was granted a scholarship halfway through the year. Wasn't, you know, he had a Heisman Hopeful and Jalen Daniels. Then he had a great backup in Jason Bean. So Cole Ballard, I mean, it'd be great to ask him, like, did he ever even think that he'd be on that stage like last weekend and perform at the level that he did? Because he was, I don't, 
I, I bet you if oh, I know if you asked me, I don't know if you asked you in August who Cole Ballard was. I don't know if I would have been able to say it, but now you know. He's earned it. He was great. Gave us every opportunity to win. Frustrated for him. Would have been a, a, a hero. But the job that he did was was so cool to see uh, uh, how guys that persevere and have patience and are just ready to play. Yeah, I love that we're talking about quarterbacks. And uh, I'll start with uh, our QB1 for the beginning of the season because uh, right before you took off to head to Honolulu, he made a big, big announcement uh, stating that he was coming back. And, you know, I really love uh, that he was able to do it on his own terms, uh, to tell his own story, to shape his own narrative. We know that in the silence of him getting treatment and second opinions and rehab and things like that, there have been a lot of murmurings. There have been a lot of undertones about, hey, what was going to happen? Uh, and I'm thankful that he was able to uh, to break out to be able to share that. And I will say that is one of the, the benefits of social media these days. You know, I know there are a lot of deficiencies around social media, but I love it that he was able to tell his story, that he was able to make the announcement. He was able to put his personality and his emphasis on it. You know, years ago, you would have to, you know, hope that a beat writer would be or a press release would be able to shape things the way. Uh, you know, that will best uh, personify your intentions and uh, and your and your personality. But I really love the video that he was able to drop out. And so good news for uh, the Jayhawk Nation uh, that Jalen Daniels is going to be coming back, not just with one year, but two years. I mean, think about that. It could be playing next year as we're going under the stadium renovation with this incredible gateway project. And then for his final season, how cool would that be? Uh, for him to be able to open up the new David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium there uh, in his final campaign uh, with the electric type of play. And so um, as we transition into the next QB that there's some question marks behind and folks are anticipating his return, Jason Bean. Um, you know, when you think about someone that's coming back from, from an injury, there, there, there are a lot of things at stake especially when you think about a young man's heart and desire because everyone wants to be on the field competing especially when it's against your rival especially when it's senior day especially when it's the last uh, home game of the year uh, but there's got to be long-term thinking uh, for first of all Jason Bean and his health and his well-being and his career both here at Kansas and beyond uh, but then also for the team as a whole uh, in terms of their confidence, their preparation. And so, you know, I can't understate like how difficult it is for a coaching staff and even Jason Bean himself to actually get together, medical staff included, to come up with a plan. Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're not going to do. This is what's the best interest for you, Jason, individually. This is what's the best interest for the team as a whole. And to be able to come up with a decision, a very painful decision, like it was on Saturday, not to allow him to play. But I'm thankful that they're kind of following the process of making sure that he's healthy, that he's whole, uh, and hopefully not only being able to compete against Cincinnati, but also in the bowl game, uh, like we mentioned there. And then, you know, you know, Bean has been a godsend in many ways, having a backup quarterback that could win his football games. And you could say that same thing about Cole Ballard, who's been able to come and keep us competitive against some very, very difficult com competition. Um, I'm so thankful for all of the different weapons that are around him. Of course, Devin Neal and Hyshaw and then Luke Grimm coming back from his injury and had some pretty big catches there on Saturday as well. Andy Fortenecki doing a great job of calling a game and, and, and making sure that kind of Cole Ballard stays within himself a little bit. He got outside himself one or two plays and it cost us on Saturday. 
Uh, but man, here it is. We're talking about a walk-on quarterback. Here it is. We're talking about a, a third-string quarterback that that is is having to step up and compete uh, in the biggest of scenarios when the lights are the brightest. And it's been pretty pretty impressive. Uh, and hopefully, uh, he'll continue to grow. And uh, not only whether it's this season, but also give us confidence for what uh, he can do potentially as a backup uh, here in the future. Well said. You covered it all, and uh, I'm excited to get back. I'm going to be parked at 6.30 on Saturday night watching that. And, and again, to propel us into the month of December, it, it's just a fun time. It's like March Madness where you find out where you're going to play, you get that eighth win, we get whatever bowl game it may be, start making preparations and travel plans. And it's, uh, it's something we just haven't experienced in a long time up until this past year. And now we're going to do it back-to-back -back years as a Kansas fan and an employee got to be so excited about the direction of our program, the capital commitment by Travis Goff and his staff, whether that be salaries for our guys to keep them here, whether that be NIL and obviously the gateway project. And, and uh, it, it's, it's a great time to be a Jayhawk would have been even greater to celebrate Saturday night. But, but again, there's a progression, there's a process and, uh, we're going to start winning those games. I know it. Uh, they're, they're just too good to to make the little mistakes like they made. So, uh, again, looking forward to Saturday. And uh, now on to basketball. Here we are in Honolulu. Uh, got one game under our belts. Uh, again, Chaminade. Unbelievable individual performances. But before we really talk stats and the games, we got to bring up K.J. Adams. Uh, you and I are both very close to our team, and KJ is just one of the nicest, smilingest, selfless kids ever. We've become close with his mom, Yvonne, and his dad, Kevin. And unfortunately, on Friday, he, his mom passed, had a stroke on Thursday night. KJ was able to get up on Friday, get down, and spend some time with her before she passed. And it's tough. I mean, we've all lost loved ones, and, and losing them, the you know, at this time, his age, you know, 20, 21 years old, it's just been, it's been brutal. But when you and I are both part of a team and your brothers, your family, your basketball family lift you up. And it, when it happened, everyone was asking, hey, do you think KJ will show up? And I'm like, well, knowing Yvonne and knowing Kevin, I guarantee you that they said, Kevin, you need to go be with your team. And, and you know, be with your brothers, be with your family, understand that they're going to build you up. Yes, you have the choice. You can do whatever you want to do, but sitting around and, 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 and just, you know, mentally and physically being drained. And so what, what was so cool in my eyes yesterday, uh, Kevin and KJ and his two sisters, I don't know, they drove from Austin to Dallas, ordered a plane, stopped in Oakland, came over here. So you're talking like, I don't know, 12, 14, 15 hours of travel. We just did it on Friday. I don't play basketball, and I was tired. KJ, who's dealing with what he's dealing with, with the passing of his mom, gets here at about 1.30 yesterday, plays 26 minutes in a Division I Power 5 conference game. It's crazy. Uh, just showed you how tough he is, both mentally and physically, and uh, it, was, it was great. We, we've been texting and Obviously, he's getting thousands and thousands of texts, but it was great to see him, give him a hug, see his dad. And and, uh, and, and I think uh, basketball 
college athletics as a whole, your family definitely helps. And I'm glad he's here and uh, uh, just love that family. Yeah, you know, such a terrible tragedy, um, obviously, to be able to see that happen to the Adams family. Uh, but what an inspiring outcome uh, just days after that uh, is KJ and his family are making the effort, you know, to get all the way out there to, to Honolulu and, and use the word family. And a lot of times that can be cliche in, uh, in the sports world. But I really think that one of the more inspiring outcomes, you know, for this is to be able to see that really personified. Uh, in this in this uh, situation right here, um, you know, the effort, you know, for them to come out there. And then also, I'm sure the embrace that you saw there, unfortunately, uh, you know, something like this isn't foreign to the Kansas basketball program as a whole. As you think about Thomas Robinson's mom, you think about Darnell Jackson's mom and, um, you know, coach and, and his staff having to go through that. So I'm sure that there are some, you know, words of wisdom and and affirmation and care uh, that have come from from guys uh, that have gone before KJ, unfortunately, that had to to, to experience this. But um, yeah, it's just uh, and and so so inspiring to see him make an effort, his whole family uh, to get there to be with the basketball family, and in a way uh, to see Kansas basketball as a way that brings you know healing and inspiration. Uh, you know, your radio colleague Brian Haney, what does he do every game? there's a call on the broadcast to, you know, someone that's fighting a, a terminal disease that tunes in uh, and watches a guy's effort like KJ that watches someone, you know, play unselfishly like Dewan and they are inspired by it. All right. It makes them want to fight harder. It makes them want to live more. And so it's really interesting to understand that this whole dynamic in the realm of Kansas basketball isn't just a version of entertainment, isn't just a face of a university brand but how it can really, um, you know, really inspire people uh, in, in ways that, 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 that not a lot of other programs uh, or entities can be able to do. And it makes you be thankful to be part of it even more, right, Greg? Oh, 100%, 100%. And, you know, yesterday at pregame meal, we are talking to Bill doing our interviews, and, and he didn't know. At that time, we didn't know when KJ was going to get here. We didn't know what state of mind he'd be in. So Bill said, hey, it'd be nice to put him in the game kind of work the rest off a little bit, get a sweat in, maybe five to eight minutes, six to 10 minutes, whatever. And he plays 26. And I thought the coolest part of the game was when we had a breakout and Dewan had the ball and it was like a three on none break. And Dewan threw it up on the backboard. KJ was able to take out some frustrations with play. He always seems like he's frustrated with the rim and wants to tear it off the backboard. But it was a very cool scene standing ovation by Jayhawk Nation here at the uh, Stan Sheriff Center. So a great, uh, I say a great story. It's sad, sad how it all, all happened, but it, it does show you how, uh, like you said, it's kind of cliche to say family and all that, but when you have situations like this, it proves that uh, you need your brothers and you need your support staff. So cool to see KJ here. We'll see how he uh, can go against Marquette. Uh, looking at some of the line from uh, yesterday, once again, a dominant performance by Hunter Dickinson. I mean, he just toyed with him. 15 of 18 from the field. Granted, it was Chaminade. They didn't have a lot of big guys, but 31 points, 11 boards, another double-double coming off the Kentucky uh, 27 and 21. So it's early, but there's not a better player in the country right now. We're only four games in, so I get it. but. And we're going to find out a lot against Marquette on their, you know, this will probably air after that. They've got length. They've got athleticism. 
They got good guards that can shoot it. They were basically the preseason number one before we got Hunter. They lost a guy to the NBA draft in the all-too-early top 25, but Shaka Smart has it rolling, and uh, it's going to be a, an interesting game. We're going to find out a lot about us, how we defend, how we play against athletic length, and uh, these are the, this is why you play these games. This is why you put yourself out there to kind of figure out who you are, and then if you, if you get exposed, how do you fix it? So we shall see. Kevin McCullough, back-to-back, triple doubles. Happened like seven other times in the history of college basketball. And if you were watching the game, the scene was was interesting. He had double digits and points and rebounds already, and he was stuck on seven assists. It was like four minutes ago, five minutes ago, Bill puts him in, not to get the triple double, just to get it to the under four and then put in the the other guys. So he puts Jamari McDowell at the bench to check in. So if a, a whistle blows, Kevin's out. But there's no whistle. Three straight possessions. He makes passes that lead to bucket, and he gets a triple double. And and I, Bill didn't do it on purpose, and Kevin didn't do it on purpose. Kind of happened organically, which makes it even cooler. Uh, it. I, I was talking to Kev after the game. I'm like, dude, that is. Do you know how big of a deal this is? There's only two other players in the Bill Self era that had triple doubles. Now it's a little skewed. Kansas basketball wide because they didn't really keep all the stats. I mean, Wilt Chamberlain probably averaged. He was a walking. Double. He was a walking triple double, maybe quadruple double, but still. Yeah, let's let's throw that out. Which the Wilt numbers are crazy, but uh, it is what it is. They didn't have computers. They weren't tar- targeted as well as we do now. But back to back triple doubles, and that's we just had a, a, a chalk talk that normally you and I do, Wayne, when we're on the road. But since you're not here. Brian Haney and, and Q and I did it in front of like, it was like 200 people. I got, you know, how nervous I get around crowds and speaking in public. So it was, a, it was an unbelievably cool event. But we talked about how, and I, I brought it up. I said, you know, what's crazy is Kevin hadn't played great in these last two games. We got wins against Kentucky and Chaminade, both triple doubles. And I think if you ask Kevin, he'll be like, yeah, there's a lot of things I can do better. And people from the outside looking in are like, triple double back to back. And you got Hunter Dickinson. I understand why you're the number one team in the country, but we have so much more to do and so much room for improvement. Yeah, I mean, such an incredible feat, uh, historic feat uh, by Kevin, not only in the Kansas basketball tradition and legacy, but in all of college basketball. I mean, when your name is mentioned with the likes of Shaquille O'Neal and Anthony Anthony Hardaway, uh, Penny Hardaway, I mean, that, that's some elite elite company and then to be able to do things that no other Jayhawk has done before when you've got names like you know Manning and Pierce and the like uh you know that have come through here is really really good I I think it's great because it really paints a picture is Kevin McCullough a perfect player no but he's a complete player by showing his ability to be able to impact the game actually almost like his first triple double more than this because even though he only scored 11 points against Kentucky uh, was still able to have incredible output in those other categories and basically Willis, uh, you know, it, to, to win. And, you know, you know, the 21 points he had last night to me is less impressive when you have to guard the other team's best player and Kentucky had pros on that uh, other roster. And so uh, hopefully he can keep the momentum going. Hopefully the confidence continues to build for him and and we see him as, a, as an anchor. And 
And, you know, Chaminade wasn't an easy team to play, even though you maybe look at the name recognition and you're thinking, oh, that's not really a big deal. That's not a great competition. But, you know, the way that they shot threes, um, even the effort that they played with. And I was thinking about this because, you know, just like a lot of our guys on our bench were playing in honor of K.J. Adams and his family, Chaminade was playing in honor and on behalf of a lot of those people that lost their lives and homes in Maui uh, that's the namesake of that very tournament and so I thought there was a dangerous team which is why you did not see them go away the entirety of the game now at times I wanted to go away because I didn't have my favorite broadcaster uh, calling the game which was a little bit difficult for me uh, I'm not sure if Bill Walton's going to be calling uh, uh, he, hey he's some people's flavor uh, ah, a little, 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 little tough for me uh, so I hung in there was kind of going back and forth between the Chiefs game uh, but uh, had great win and, and, and a tough matchup coming up here not only against Marquette, but also uh, the other looming competitive fields in, in the Classic, which is what everyone wanted to see. I think you put a bow on it with Kevin, uh, a baseball analogy. When a pitcher doesn't have his best stuff, but he pitches a complete game, he figures it out. That's what Kevin has done. He hadn't shot the ball great, hadn't scored the ball great, but he impacts the game in so many ways. And, and I said it this morning in the Chalk Talk, the best recruit we got this past year was Kevin McCuller. You got to recruit your own guys nowadays. And not, not that he was going to transfer, but he's going to go to the NBA. And he still could have gone and probably got a two-way deal or, or something. But when he came back, made like Hunter Dickinson was a massive piece. Don't get me wrong. But getting Kevin back, we needed that alpha dog. We needed that leader. We needed that guy that's a coach on the floor for Bill Self, just like DeWan. Someone to talk to Hunter about how Bill does it, and, and talk to Furphy, and talk to all these guys. And so it's uh, uh, that that to me was the biggest recruit, and that kind of sounds weird because he was already here. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, I love where we're at. Again, we're you know at the time of this taping, we haven't played, and by the time we release it, we'll probably know. But when you look at Marquette, uh, long, athletic, to your point. Chaminade yesterday really penetrated with stopping the lane, draw a defense, pitch the shooters, which is what Marquette's going to do but with real guys, with guys that can hurt you from the three-point line. Cam Jones, Tyler Kolick. Kolick's going to remind you a lot. Already said it about Rex Walters, you know, just a lefty that is always looking to penetrate. We've got to play without fouling. Uh, defensively, I think we're really good. We're four guys. I think the other four is what we need to see to become a cohesive unit. Uh, it takes five guys to play defense. If one guy, if one chain is broken, the link, it's broken. And, and, and that's the way uh, the Bill Self defensive scheme works. And so we got to get more out of El Marco, Johnny Furphy, and Nick Timberlake. It's going to take all of those guys because at some point, teams aren't going to let Hunter go 15 of 18 and dominate the inside. They're going to triple team him. He's going to pitch it out, and we have to prove that we can make shots. You know, DeWan goes five or six from the three-point line against Kentucky. The rest of the team was one of 12, and that one was Hunter's end of half three. We have to shoot the ball better because if we don't, all coaches are going to do is flood Hunter Dickinson with guys and uh, uh, going to have some opportunities against Marquette and, here we are talking about Marquette at the semifinals. You know, the Mallee Classic is crazy. Purdue, or excuse me, Gonzaga lost in the first round 
Gonzaga's really good. They're in the loser's bracket. First round loss because they got matched up against a team that was just a little bit better than, you know, uh, Tennessee. Which is probably where we would have been, not necessarily in the loser's bracket, but matched up against a Purdue or a Tennessee or someone the like before we got Hunter Dickinson and preseason number one because they see this tournament off preseason rankings. Kansas and Marquette, one of the two. Hey, Greg, Greg you cut out for a second there. Will you just start that back over? Start that back uh, over. And I'll edit it. Just so like you, you 20 seconds ago? Yeah, maybe like 10, 15 right after seconds. I talked about the seedings. You know, when you look at it, Tennessee or Purdue, they're not going to be in the championship game in the Mountain Classic. Kansas and Marquette, one of those two isn't going to be there. Uh, this looks like a championship game. We've talked a lot about how packed this field is, and it's true. It's a great atmosphere here. Uh, I was watching the games yesterday, and it, it it's it's going to be fun. Marquette's got a big showing here. It's going to be a, a blast, and we're going to find out a lot about ourselves. So is Marquette. So is Tennessee. So is Purdue. Uh, if it turns out that Kansas plays Purdue in the finals, and you got Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eady. Hunter's huge. Zach Eady's bigger. I mean, he's seven four. I walked by him in the tunnel yesterday, and I'm like, I've been around some big guys, Hunter included, and he's bigger. So, uh, and, and obviously Hunter's got a track record with him from his Big Ten days. So, could be some great matchups. We got to take care of business and uh, make some shots and. And uh, I, I liked some of the activity yesterday of Johnny Furphy on the offensive end, offensive glass, getting shots for other guys. Got to shore up him defensively. Too many straight line drives by Chaminade, not not Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones. That was Chaminade. So uh, it's definitely uh, something that it's they're freshmen. I'm not. This is not an indictment on them. It's just is what it is. You got guys are going to grow up right in front of our faces, and we're going to be a much better defensive team at the end of December, just like the beginning of February. It's just a natural progression. And it's going to be a big boy game and we've got to step up. So excited about that. When we get back, you know, a week after we get back, we play UConn at home. I watched them on TV the other night. They well, look like the Indiana. Yeah, that was some really good matches. I was watching play Texas in uh, that championship tournament out there in New York. And I, I have my eye on them as well. Yeah. Did, did you, didn't that look like the best team in the country? I mean, Connecticut looked stacked and I think they've got an injury too of a guy that's coming back where I saw him at ESPN crawl that it's going to be uh he'll be back for the December first game so more weapons for them but uh no rest for the weary we're going to get back uh we play somebody next Tuesday can't remember Eastern Illinois Eastern Illinois and then we play Connecticut on Friday then the following week we get Missouri at home which will be a, a crazy atmosphere in Allen Fieldhouse and then uh go to Indiana finals week uh, a couple games around Christmas break. And then before we know it, Big 12 starts. So uh, it goes. It goes fast. The Furious, be on the road, tough schedule. But they wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, you know, uh, we're just in a, in a good place right now. So Yeah, it's funny. It's find uh, out who we are. You know, you're, you're at the mercy of the conference when uh, they assign who you're going to play and when in conference play you're going to play it. But this time of year, this is what we signed up for, right? Uh, we chose these opponents. We chose this type of field to prepare us and to get us ready for the gauntlet that is the Big 12. And, of course, to have some big-time matchups uh, to get uh, some good weathering and to cut our teeth as we're going into uh, a big a big March run 
hopefully all the way all the way to Phoenix. And man, I'm really glad you mentioned defense because it is true what you said. Seemingly, we've got four guys that are anchors and very reliable in that. But you and I both know that four effective defensive players is not enough. All right? right. It is, it's enough to get you beat any time of the year. And uh, as those young guys are getting their feet under them, you know, unfortunately, it's looking like it's going to be by committee, um, you know, before the Christmas break, which is a time where you can really start to see guys kind of take strides and feel better in their comfort level, their role, their responsibilities. But until that point, it may be by committee uh, with those freshmen. And you can add uh, Nick Timberlake to that, especially with as much as um, the Bill Self style of defense uh, lends itself to switching, uh, especially switching four. Uh, and this is what teams do. They're patient enough in the shot clock to allow us to switch. And then they look for the weak link, per se. They look for the matchup that they want. They want to put Hunter Dickinson in ball screen situations to draw him away from the basket so he can't clog up the paint. And then guess what? They're going to attack one of those young guys or one of those newcomers. And so right. uh, it's one of those things where it's like it might seem unfair. It might seem like a doggy dog world. They're going to get put on an island. But at some point in time, they got to grow up and understand, hey, this is big boy basketball. And you got to anchor down and, uh, and, and win your battle on the defensive end. And then hopefully when you can do that, build some confidence, then maybe that'll lead into us making a few threes, which we've been pretty deficient in up until this point. Hey, guess what? Life ain't fair. Basketball ain't fair. They're going to take advantage of the advantage that they have, you know, the matchups. They're going to, like you said, pull Hunter Dickinson away from the basket because he clogs up the middle with a 7 2. He's not a great athlete. So they're, all he does is just make himself big. But when you pull him away from the basket, it, freeze up all these lanes and then guys are going to have to keep guys in front of them. And the other thing in the half court set, when Hunter is down there, our guards have to do a better job of keeping guys in front of them because if they get by him, it's just human nature. Hunter's going to be forced to foul whether he's trying to or not. And the one thing we can't afford is Hunter in foul trouble. Yeah. And one thing that, that I, I didn't like it as a player, I kind of like it now because I'm, I'm on the other side of it, but Coach Self will actually kind of open that wound up if, if you're the supposed weak link and team, teams are, are gearing up towards you. And he will, he's not going to, you know, um, he's not going to make accommodations for you. He's not going to fall back into a zone in order to protect you. He's not going to have you guard somebody else so you're no longer exposed. He's going to open up that wound. He's going to pour salt in it uh, in film session and, and shoot around. And he's going to say, like, hey, you need to take it personal, all right, that they're basically picking on you, per se, that they see you as a weak link, that they see you as a way uh, to get the win. And, uh, and yeah, he, he, it, it's kind of the, the, the proverbial, hey, I'm going to toss my kid into the, into the pool and say, hey, sink or swim, sink or swim, because we got, we got three or four other guys uh, sitting here on this bench that are, that, are, that are willing and ready to get in there and try to make the most out of their opportunity. And so... That's one thing that I appreciate him, that it just exudes this toughness because you see other coaches smoking mirrors and jump defenses and zone and press and this and that. It's like, no, this is the way we're going to play at Kansas basketball. And you either adapt or, or, or you don't. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because I get it a lot. I'm sure you do as well. Every fan is smarter than Bill Self, right? They're going to say, well, if we're not good man-to-man, why wouldn't we just play zone? I'll tell you why. Because he's got his way of coaching and his philosophies and his beliefs, and that's man-to-man defense 95% of the time. 
And when it's not, it, sometimes you're forced to do it because of foul trouble or just numbers. But Bill will never do anything that he doesn't practice. And you only get so much time on the court with the guys. He's going to utilize that time to do their core defensive strategies, which is man-to-man. They're going to practice a zone maybe 5 to 10% of the time, meaning that it's a last ditch. They're not going to run a zone and, and uh, take away from the way he wants to play. He's in charge. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what I think. It matters what he thinks. And uh, just get used to it. And, and I know fans are, like I said, just like a, good golfers are better greenskeepers. Uh, fans are better basketball coaches. Everyone's better at a job they don't do, correct? <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. And so uh, 21 years of Bill Self, put your faith in him. It, they're going to figure it out, and life ain't fair. Figure it out. That's how. That's how we. I know you parents. I parents like, hey, I'm not gonna do it for you. You got to figure it out. If you're gonna be soft. I'll get the next guy to do it. And so that's how it is. Next man up mentality, and and you can't question it. He's been the most successful coach in college basketball for a long, long time. So uh, uh, and and none of this is meant to be doom and gloom. Like we're awful. We have to nitpick a little bit because we just beat Chaminade by 20-plus points. We just beat Kentucky. And everybody's like, hey, 4-0, you're the number one team in the country. But real basketball guys know that we still have steps to take, and that's on the defensive end. And the offensive end, we've got to become a better shooting team. Yeah, we certainly do. Hey, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, and we've been talking about that field uh, there in Maui. We've got a couple other – Kansas sports programs that have been having to navigate some difficult fields. Uh, how about volleyball? Ray Bouchard, his group, continue to take incredible strides, two major wins in the Big 12, uh, sweeping Baylor in straight sets, and then going to Provo and peeling off the win there. Reagan Cooper, uh, who's leading uh, the way with just uh, an enormous amount of kills out there, the, the the National Player of the Week in volleyball. I mean, they just keep keep striding. And then, of course, our women's basketball team, led by Brandon Snyder and all the the, the Big 12 preseason uh, honorees there, and, and Tiana Jackson and Holly Kerskeeter and, and Zakai Franklin are headed to the Grand Cayman Islands. This is a pretty nice destination. might be a little bit better than Honolulu, but the field that is waiting for them is absolutely brutal. A Virginia Tech team that just came off a of Final Four and the perennial power uh, on the men's and the women's side, but probably more so on the women's side, the UConn Huskies. Uh, so they've got a pretty tall task ahead of them as, as Coach Snyder is uh, trying to have that group uh, get towards midseason form. Had a little hiccup there in Happy Valley uh, against the, the Nittany Lions and, and, and grinded one out against UMKC and Memorial at uh, not Memorial Stadium. Where are we at? Municipal, municipal, uh, there in Kansas City. As, municipal uh, Auditorium. Yeah, Municipal Auditorium is there. There's most of the most there. final, four, most of the most final fours in the history of college basketball, by the way, I believe. Fun fact. Well, yeah, Honolulu. You know, you and I were talking. You were kind of asking me about the before we went on about the differences between Honolulu and Maui. Uh, Honolulu is kind of like Las Vegas there's shopping and restaurants everywhere it's like a big city on a beach maui's more casual and just kind of kind of uh, cozy and kind of like being in lawrence compared to chicago let's say or whatever but it's uh can't complain we're on the beach grand caymans would be 
fun as well, but uh, uh, great atmosphere here. Uh, tickets are an issue because we have 10,000 seat arenas, probably about half full yesterday. It'd be interesting. Does it make you doing. does it make you appreciate the Lahaina Civic Center a little bit more? Just the electricity and the juice and the intimacy, even though it kind of comes across like a, a high school or like an NAI type gym. But man, that, that, that juice for every single game in the Lahaina Civic Center there in Maui is is, is is pretty pretty tough to match. Yeah, seats twenty two hundred. It's loud. The last time I was there was one of the best games in the history of the Maui Classic. Overtime triumph over Dayton, Obi Toppin. That was Devon and Doak were the co MVPs. What well, it was an unbelievable basketball game. So much fun. Overtime win of that team. That you know, it's funny. Where were we? Uh, I don't know. Orlando or the Bahamas? Uh, Dayton wears T-shirts that says 2020 National Champions because they were I don't know ranked third in the country when the COVID stopped and we'd be walking around like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, like we beat you. Uh, we were the number one team and we don't even talk about that. Like that, this is Kansas. We didn't play the tournament. We're not the national champions. Were we the best team? Probably. Would we have won it? Maybe. But it was funny to see the Dayton Flyers wear that. I don't know if it was a goof or they were really being serious, but they were, they were awfully, uh, awfully proud, but we did beat them. Obviously, uh, Honolulu, a little different. Still the beach. I mean, should I give you a? Should I give the the, the, the setting a little bit here? Do you want to see it? Come on, man. Give the people what they want. They want to see what it's like, man. And I'm sure we had a great Jayhawk fan base. And some folks made the trip. There we go. It's all over there. It's the view. Yeah. So, pretty nice. Sorry. Sorry to make you. Am I making you a little jealous? No. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. That's what it is. <laughs> Well, it's been another great segment edition, Jayhawker Podcast, University of Kansas Health System, and Black and Veach. Take ownership of your career, your future, and your success. Learn more at bv.com slash careers. Uh, a lot of things, lot, lots of stuff going on. Cincinnati on Saturday, finish up the Maui Classic Strong, get back home, get back to work, uh, embrace KJ and his beautiful family after their passing uh, uh, of Yvonne, just a, a great lady and kind of a, a team mom. I mean, just to play basketball at Texas A&M and, and uh, just a tough, tough deal. But, you know, we went through it with Bill and his dad back in 22. He Rob, like you said, Darnell Jackson, and we've all lost loved ones. We know how typical it can be. So he needs us more than ever right now, and, and that's why why he's here. So please. Support KJ in any way you can. Uh, great time to be a jail. It's the best way to end the Jacker podcast because it's true. You and I love this. I appreciate you, buddy. I missed you at my chalk talk this morning, but uh, The Rock, Fred Cordelbaum filled in for you along with Brian Haney, and we uh, we just wowed a, a group of about 200 over at the Royal Hawaiian. I say that, I guess we should probably get them on, see if I really wowed them, but, uh, but it, it was a fun deal. A lot to be thankful for. Lot, you know, thankful for you. Thanksgiving here in a couple of days. Have a great time with your beautiful family and your parents right next door. I'll be having uh, ahi tuna tacos yeah, on the beach. We're not gonna be having over there. No, no turkeys not, over there. No, the, the, I mean, the, the, no, no turkeys over luau, here. Luau pig. 
yeah, I'll be. Uh, I won't send any pics, but I'll I'll be dancing on the beach, eating some uh, fish tacos. You have fun. Uh, uh, we'll see you next week. We're gonna recap the Maui Classic. We're gonna recap Kansas football at Cincinnati, and it's gonna be another great week to be a Kansas Jayhawk. Rock and chop.